0: Welcome, leaders. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. This episode is brought to you by Spark Women's Retreat. Stepping out of your comfort zone is where you'll find growth. So if you're ready to make a change, Spark Women's Retreat has multiple options available to you. Our self-care retreat takes place in Southern Utah next month. We host our annual classic retreat, At the end of September each year in Zion National Park and in June of 2020, we're spreading our wings and heading to Africa. To explore options and purchase your all-inclusive package today, visit sparkwomensretreat.com. I am thrilled to have life coach Robin Eckersley as our guest. In this episode, she gets candid about her personal journey of finding her why and how she helps others do the same. And with that, we welcome you to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making an incredible impact in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Robin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hey, happy birthday. Thank you. I love birthdays. Yeah.
0: Me too. So, um, any big plans for today? Uh, My husband and I are having dinner with my parents later.
1: And then I'm going to do a fun escape the room uh, event with some friends the weekend after next. Oh, nice. Yeah. That should be good. Yeah. I've done it. I've done one of those and they are Mm, pretty fun. Yeah. I've done a couple on the East Coast. That was a few years ago. And Vegas has a ton of them. So I'm excited to see, you know, how over the top they go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's always interesting to see just like any team building or any time you get a group of people together, kind of how you all interact. Yeah. So that's always interesting too.
1: And it's honestly, it's kind of, so with birthdays, I think, so I'm 36 now and up to now birthdays have kind of been like, oh, let's go party and let's go drink and all that stuff. And it's like, Okay. I've been trying to be very thoughtful and intentional about how do I want to open my days? How do I want to open this next year of my life? And I don't want to open this next year of my life like hungover. (laughs) Right. I want to feel good and I want to feel alert and I want to feel like I'm in alignment with where my values are right now. Mm -hmm. So that might sound kind of intense when you apply it to your birthday, but it's like, okay, I, I want to have a good time with my friends, but I want to do something different. And you can have a good time without going, you know, through traditional habits or, you know, stuff that you might otherwise have done before. Um, so, yeah, even that's kind of a different thing. It's like going back to the birthday party thing, like when we were kids. But, um, yeah, I think it's more reflective of what I want to do in life these days.
0: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think that that's a common thing that happens. I just had this conversation the other day really? with with someone else just about drinking in general or going yeah. out past nine o'clock you know? <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, I'm going to go out late tonight. So I need to make time for a nap or whatever that yeah. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it is that, that is really that switch that, that makes you change from year to year? Or, yeah. Or, you know, as you travel through this journey we called life. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's honestly about how intentional we're being we have to decide to make decisions consciously because I think it's quite easy to make decisions on autopilot based on what we've done in the past or what other people do and what they think we should do. Um, So for something, you know, as simple as what should I do for my birthday, it could be like, oh, let's get a bunch of friends together and go to the bar. And it doesn't take a whole lot of, yeah, I guess, individuality to make that decision. But when it's like you, th- when you start to think about it in a different light, saying, No, this isn't just about having a good time. This is actually about celebrating another year of being alive. That's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I get to go into an entire new age. I get to go into an entire new life. It's kind of like that New Year's feeling of like reinvention and starting over. And you get to decide what parameters you want to make your decisions around instead of like, well, birthday's equal going out and getting drunk. No, they don't have to equal that. You know, one doesn't have to equal the same thing. Um, so how could we make decisions that actually ref- actually reflect who we are and how we want to be moving through the world? And that plays out, that can play out into every decision, big or small. You know, what do I want to do with my life? As big as that. Or what do, I want, what do I want to eat for breakfast today? It's all a reflection of who you decide to be in that moment. But honestly, it starts before that with you deciding to be you instead of just running on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So that's when I made that switch. A lot of stuff changed. I saw the world very differently. I saw my relationships differently. I saw just how I treat myself differently. Um yeah, but that intentionality about no, I'm going to walk in accordance and alignment with who I am, not just what comes on autopilot for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I find this with my personal life ever since I became a business owner and changed what I do for a living mm-hmm. and what you know, and I really just defined what my passion was and now I'm I'm following that passion. Yes. I've also seen a trickle down effect into the way I you know, I navigate my life. Mm. Do you think that, does that hold true for you too, where, you know, you're, you're a life coach, which we're going to dive into here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I also find that I also need to practice what I preach. So if I'm telling other mm. people or giving advice to other people or training them on leadership or whatever it is, yeah. it's kind of like, mm, I, need to, I need to step Walk it up a little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is it, do you see this same oh my thing gosh. For yourself a hundred
1: percent, yeah, a hundred percent, and I gotta say like <laughs> when you decide to and this is for people who have their own businesses who are in leadership positions who 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 do all of that amazing stuff, but who also just like to give advice or like to you know offer their friends suggestions or encouragement, you know we are very eager, I think, just as a species to want to help other people, but we're very hesitant to take the advice we give other people or to to walk in alignment with what we think everyone else should be doing because it's hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> to hold yourself accountable to the standards that you set for other people can be very challenging for people but the interesting thing is that when we start to say okay especially as business owners i want i really should practice what i preach at least to be in accordance with my brand if nothing else um I think you and I are in similar positions in that we truly believe in what we do and we believe in what we offer to other people in in terms of making their life more a more powerful experience. And because of that belief, we want that for ourselves too. We don't want to be presenting one side of, hey, this is how you can really enhance your life and then just let ourselves go at the end of the day, right, when you come home. Um, but it's i don't know it's one of those things that's like once you realize that there's a powerful driver behind all of those decisions saying it's it's worthwhile to live this way it's worthwhile to develop yourself in this way then you start to say i'm not going to settle you know for these habits and these routines or these you know thoughts that i've been having i'm not going to settle i'm going to work and i'm going to put in the the effort to bring myself up because all of these clients that I'm working with are are putting in the work and I'm holding them accountable and I'm like, "Hey, like I'm cheering you on. I believe in you." And I don't want to be neglecting myself as like my own client essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important that whether we're business owners or coaches or um you know, folks who are employees or not employed, you know, when we can define a certain set of standards, there's, you know, we got to step it up. That's how we become better as a population. We hold ourselves to higher standards.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You lead a workshop. It's called um, design your why. Mm-hmm. And I think this is falling in line with the conversation we're having now. It's and for free, for me, I'll just speak for myself. It, yeah. you know, I've, again, I've just, dis- I've designed this life the person I want to be mm. and how I, you know, the the type of work I want to do and the type of difference that I want to make. Yeah, And so I feel like that that's what your design, your why workshop is. Mm. And will you go into a little more detail? I mean, I know why it's important for me, mm-hmm. um, but just to get your perspective on why it's so important to understand what your why is, really design it, take the time to, to move through that and mm-hmm. how it impacts all avenues of your life. Yes, yeah, oh my gosh. Um, it's kind of like turning on
1: that switch, right? When you, when you have your why and you can articulate it and you feel an emotion behind it when you think about it or when you talk about it to somebody else, you know you're onto something that matters to you. And that thing that drives you, whatever it is, is going to be essentially steering the car of your life, essentially. So what um, What you decide this season of your life is going to be about, that purpose, that why that drives it, then your decisions better fall in line with it. Otherwise, you're going to feel like something's wrong, like something's off, like something's not quite right. And that can be very unsettling. Or if we've kind of had, that for our whole lives maybe we're really good at suppressing it and you know not addressing it (laughs) um probably not the healthiest approach but um we're we're kind of taught to put our own fulfillment on the back burner it's kind of like a nice to have but the primary goal should be just get a job have a stable income you know get a roof over your head and pay bills um and, you know, if you're lucky, you'll have, like, a fulfilling relationship and, like, the white picket fence and the cower in the house and all that good stuff, American dream, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um. But this whole fulfillment thing is noticeably absent from that conversation. So for me, um, this is something that I was not okay with. And it kind of came to a head in 2015 um, because I had just kind of been, like – I guess in order to live a life that actually matters and that means something, you have to be a doctor or you have to fight for human rights or you have to go, you know, work for the UN or something. And there's very specific career paths that equated to a life that has meaning and therefore you feeling fulfilled. And for me, I felt at that time in my life, I wasn't cut out for any of those jobs. Therefore... Oh, well, just make the best of a standard life. And it really kept me up at night because I was busting my butt at a job that I eventually ended up hating and really resenting. And I was like, what is the point? What is this all for? I'm driving myself nuts. I'm coming home cranky and driving my husband crazy. Like I am not treating myself well. My health is going all over the place. It's just a domino effect of... When you don't like how you're spending your time and you feel like you have to be spending your time that way just to make money or just for whatever reason, then you become a worse version of yourself everywhere in all areas of your life. And so for me, I was like, I got to figure this out. I don't know what to do, but I kind of know what I care about. And for me, um, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And that was something that was very Powerful for me because statistically, I shouldn't be alive today Um, because of the five years of stuff that I ended up going through and putting up with. Um, And I know the moment where my (laughs) my path towards being a statistic changed, and I decided that this is not going to be my future. Um, And that kind of fork in the road for me saved my life and... There's power in that that I know could be shared with other people. So for me, I decided, okay, maybe this is something of a why for me. Maybe this is something of a purpose because I can use that, but I don't know how to make that into a career. I don't want to go back to school and be a therapist. I don't want to go back to school and, um, you know, have to start all over essentially just to help people. I know I can help people now with what I have. What does that even mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so fast forward, I ended up, meeting my first coach and talking to her about, like, I, I don't know what I what to do. I'm at a crossroads with my career. Um, I know I want to help these folks, but I I can't figure out a way to do it effectively and in a way that provides value and in a way that puts food on the table, frankly. Um, and she said, You kind of sounds like you want to do what I do. kind of sounds like you want to be a coach. And at that point, I'd never met a coach before, and I didn't know what that was. And I'm like... I don't get it. We're just talking. I don't, what are we doing? Are you you hadn't made coaching? the connection yet. Yeah. Because yeah. I was completely unfamiliar with the skill and with the industry. Um, she just kind of laughed. She's like, just do some research. Let me know what you think. Um, I ended up finding a program, got my certifications, and did it all by the book and loved it. And eventually, um, I'm skipping a few steps here, but uh, I created the Design Your Why Workshop because I know that everyone's journey to finding something that lights them up, something that gives them a sense of meaning and purpose, is very different from one another. There's so many different ways to get to that core of what drives us, right? And so I chose five different avenues for this workshop, um, depending on how you see the world and how you learn and how you interact with people. Um, and i put it all together in a very like step by step easy way to follow and that the conversations we have in that workshop people start crying people are like i never knew i'm like 70 years old and i never made this connection before what have i been missing my entire life and it changes that's when that you know switch comes on mm-hmm. they're like oh my god this is so important to me i have to do something with this they they reach that point where it's like no longer can I ignore this thing about me. No longer can I ignore this this urge that I have to help make someone else's life or the world or something better. I have to do it because they've identified it. I identified it because when you can articulate it and when you can put language around it, then it makes it real instead of just, just I feel kind of off, vague feeling. So... That's what I love so much about the Design Your Why workshop. And honestly, you're so right. Like when you realize what that is, when you start to kind of grasp it and help it make it take shape, it just—it's like a domino effect across all areas of your life. You start—you start interacting with your relationships differently. You start spending your money differently. You start showing up at work differently. You start doing different work, all kinds of stuff. Some people have. Some of my clients have even got divorced because they're realizing, yeah. like ah, what am I doing? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that lots of times it's easy to say, you know, why am I doing this? And that's a, you can answer that with one question. But I think designing your why is taking it to the next level because it's really asking, what is it that you want to do? Why do you want to do it? How are you going to do it? Who's going to help me? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's brainstorming, it's planning, it's being purposeful about what it is that you want to do. Um, and you know, for you, that's, that's being a life coach or helping other people, but for other people, it could be something totally different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you're somebody who's just kind of showing up to work every day or you're at a crossroads in your life, it's a really great activity to go through, especially Mm -hmm. with other people. Yes. Um, because you're going to get those different perspectives, and people mm-hmm. are going to see things in you that you may not even be able to see yourself. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's that that kind of third-party perspective is so powerful mm-hmm.
1: because we have <laughs> – however long we've been alive on this earth, that's how many years of putting ourselves into a box we've had. So we've we've each come up with our own self-perception, and it's usually – off <laughs> it's usually inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um and so sometimes when we can have that third party saying, no, like I see you in this way. I've always thought of you in this way, um, we might uncover some stuff that we never realized. So it's so important to, you know, to do the work and be introspective and to to ask yourself the questions and go through that mm-hmm. journey, but to have other people's input in perspective as well. Because it, it really adds a multidimensional understanding
0: to To who you
1: who you really are at the end of the day. That's yeah. what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had um, Jesse and Lisa Farrell on the show a while ago. Okay. And one of the things that stood out in my mind that Jesse said was, um, you know, he, he was working in corporate America mm-hmm. and he lost his job and he wasn't sure what to do next. And the first mm-hmm. thing he did was he turned to his friends and he said, hey, what do you think I should do? What am I good at?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you oftentimes know, a, we don't even know what we're good
0: at. Just ask, asking the question, <laughs> taking mm-hmm. the time to ask yourself and ask others is is such a great thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I used to I used to send out a survey to new clients saying, how would you describe yourself at your best and at your worst? And how would your best friends describe you at your best and your worst? Sometimes there was some overlap, but mostly it was very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a lot harsher on ourselves than we are on other people usually. Um And, you know, this is kind of where concepts like imposter syndrome, like our inner critic start to play in because we start to think, well, they see me as this kind of person, but I know that's not really who I am. I know I'm a fake or I know I'm not good enough or I'm not like everyone else just has this false impression of me. So that's really where we start to say, okay, you know everyone around you is saying you're a compassionate powerful person but you're saying that you're this this person who doesn't who who can't follow through or you're only focusing on the things you can't do or aren't very good at doing yet um so what can we do to put you in a more empowered position so that you can truly be that version that everyone does see you as so it's 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 an interesting kind of dance that we do with mm-hmm. with who we know ourselves to be, who we believe ourselves to be, what is actually true in those two impressions. What do other people see? It's a it's it gets to be kind of a one of those big thousand piece thousand puzzle piece puzzles really quickly, <laughs>
0: right? And then then you have the information. So how mm. do you typically see with your clients? How do you see them making the connection between you know that? the imposter syndrome situation mm-hmm. or, um, how they might be themselves versus what other people really are seeing in them.
1: Yeah. Um, so a lot of the work that I do with my clients has to do around, you get to choose your identity. You get to choose who you're going to be in any given moment. And regardless of who you believe yourself to be right now, who do you want to be tomorrow? If today you're gonna, you know, write yourself off and you're just not reaching your goals, or you know, you're just letting yourself down, or you know, pulling the wool over other people's eyes, that whole imposter syndrome thing is so toxic. Um, well, what do you want to be tomorrow? How do you want to be that person that everyone believes you to be tomorrow? How can you walk that that impression essentially? Um, and the work has to do with okay, what does it look like in real life? Because in our heads, it can get really noisy where it just becomes about like, you know, words or beliefs or, or beratements or judgments, you know, f- flying around in there very quickly. And we feel out of control in that space sometimes. But putting action to values, to beliefs, to identity is where we start to say, okay, well, I want to be this kind of person and tomorrow that kind of person would show up at my job in this way. So I'm going to show up at my job in this way. It's kind of like, well, if you tell yourself enough times you are this person, you become that person. If you tell yourself enough times that this is what someone you admire would do in this situation, you become very similar to that person. It's, um, it's an interesting thing about, how we we do have power to control who we are in any given moment. So this idea of I'm just not this person, that's very temporary. It can be very temporary. If you decide you want to be a better version or you want to change something, it's totally in your control. You just have to decide to do it. So we do a lot of work around defining identity and, you know, what does it mean to be a powerful leader? What does it mean to be a compassionate person? What does it mean to be a change maker? Um, so when we can bring that out into real life, something we can see, something we can hear, something we can touch, it's like, then that's real because everything else up here is very tricky sometimes to discern in your head what is real and what is just, you know, your inner critic talking or your self judgment coming in. Um, but yeah, I'm very, a huge fan of being action oriented. So if you can bring
0: it out into, okay, I know what that looks like.
1: Just like the name of your podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I I might oversimplify it a little bit, but to me it's comparable to complaining all the time. Mm. And at what point in time are you going to decide to do something about it so that you no longer have to complain about it? Mm. It's taking that extra step.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's interesting because as a species, we are very adaptable. Um, in that we can put up with a lot of stuff. We can excuse a lot of discomfort and a lot of things that we're not okay with and we can live with them forever. (laughs) Um, but when, and those are the folks who are happy to complain about it, but when it comes time to doing something about it, you're going to need something more than whatever's called, some people need something more than just this sucks. I don't like it to actually do something different because it it is that doing something different that is even more uncomfortable than what's uncomfortable in the first place mm-hmm. right and some people just don't want to change and some people aren't ready to change because it could be super scary you know that was that's a, a lot of the reason why i stayed in my relationship one i couldn't physically leave but also i didn't know what else what my life was going to look like on the other side at least even though this was awful I knew what to expect and I could kind of plan around that. But when you step into something new, whether it's leaving an abusive relationship or whether it's just, you know, talking to people differently saying, you know, I don't, I really don't like how judgmental I am. As an example, I'm going to try and have this next conversation differently. For some people it's just, Nope, I don't know how to do that. I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. So when you have that, why, right? That purpose. And it's like, okay, well, I might, I'm going to try and it's going to be scary it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it because this, because of this why I have to do it. It becomes almost like a non-negotiable. I have to change something because otherwise that why that gets me so worked up and emotional is like, then I'm not honoring that and mm-hmm. that I can't live with. So I'll I'll get uncomfortable to speak to people differently or spend my money differently or do whatever it is um, because it's worth it. If you can find something that's worth getting uncomfortable for, you're going to make a lot of stuff change in your life. It's going to be pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this conversation is really making me think about um, how millennials are stereotyped. Mm, Yeah. About – a generation that asks a lot of questions and they want Mm -hmm. more out of work. They want more out of life, you know, and just this conversation that we're having, I think is important for anybody listening to clue into this because this is the, also the future of work. Yes. Yeah, truly. Yeah.
1: The, um, I've heard, you know, quotes about how the millennial generation is the most purpose driven generation in history or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, that, a paycheck or, you know, catered lunches at the office or whatever, it's not going to cut it. Their bar is higher. They're saying, no, if I'm going to spend all my time and energy with this company or with this project or whatever, it's got to be worth it. Like for my soul. (laughs) Yeah. Why am I doing this? Exactly. What am I here for? Exactly. Which I I think is a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, depending on what you believe, it's like, you've got one shot in this life at least one shot you know in this existence in this time in this body in this whatever let's make it count for something Mm -hmm. um so when you can add a sense of kind of urgency around it saying you don't have all the time in the world let's make it something awesome while we're here something you can be proud of then you start getting people seeing the world in a different way and millennials are you know they're they're not settling for anything that's not going to be fulfilling they're not just going to say okay i'm just going to you know, sit at this keyboard and sit here for the rest of my life and be okay with that. Um, they have different priorities. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome. I think we yeah. can learn a lot from them. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically I'm like an older millennial. But um, yeah, I love this trend. And businesses are following suit. And I think it's it's a wonderful uh,
0: trajectory that yeah. we're on. I'm a Gen Xer. Okay. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of my friends have left their corporate job. They mm. I mean they, for all intents and purposes, have found success mm-hmm. in whatever it is that they wanted to do. And I don't know if it's maybe it's a little bit, bit of a middle age thing. I don't know <laughs> what, but it's um they even people in my generation are wanting more for yeah. themselves, for their families, for their lives. And there's definitely a shift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm curious to see if that is because you hear about, I have started hearing more about like quarter life crisis. You hear there's all these jokes about midlife crisis and whatnot, but, but honestly, maybe it's reflective of like a, a, a capping point where it's like, no, I've had enough spending my time on this hamster wheel. I've had enough of doing stuff that I kind of don't believe enough in to spend time away from my family to, you know, stress myself out and lose my lose sleep, lose health over it. Um, and
0: maybe that happens kind of midlife-ish. I don't know. Yeah, I think life runs in cycles. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talked about designing your why. And, and I think something important to point out too is, hey, I'm going to design my why today. But I should also design it again a year from now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, constantly revisit why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, Because then it does become extreme. Yes, You know, if (laughs) if you just let it go on and on, you will. You'll get to a point where you just say, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal experience was exactly that. Yeah. I just reached that point where it's like, you know what? I'm done. And it was probably a complete surprise to not only myself, but, you know, people around me, Mm -hmm. whereas if I had been revisiting that why and what I wanted to do and designing it ahead of time, Mm -hmm. it would have been... Yeah. And honestly,
1: like, when we start talking about why we start to talk about life purpose a lot, right? Like they're very intertwined. And um, I think, one, there's not enough talk about life purpose in general and and having your why. It's more like this is good enough. Like, you know, stop being so existential. Like this is so serious. (laughs) Like can you come back down here on earth and stop being up in the clouds all the time? But when we are more intentional about why am I doing this? Why did I take this job? Why am I still in this job? Why do I put up with whatever crap they're putting up with? Um, and, And not, if you don't have a good answer for it, or if that answer just doesn't make sense to you anymore, then it's time to revisit, right? But we don't want, everyone is, every individual is so powerful and is so capable of creating amazing stuff in this world that when we, push ourselves to settle and we push ourselves to kind of stay in this box and we end up eventually burning out. We end up eventually being like, Nope, flipping tables. I'm out. Um, that's such, that could have been avoided, right? If it's, if it, if we can normalize purpose essentially, then maybe we could save some of that heartache. We could save some of that exasperation and stress so that folks don't have to go all the way to that extreme and, and have that experience. And I believe that there is a different why for different seasons of your life. So what drove you in your 20s is not going to be the same necessarily as what drives you in your 30s or you know, different chapters of your life of different things are happening in your life. Um, being aware of like, hey, this is, this is what's important to me right now. How can I honor that and how can I represent that that is powerful and it doesn't have to be the same thing that you bring with you into the next chapter of your life whatever that is mm. so yes absolutely having that constant kind of essentially conversation with yourself about what is what is most important to me right now and what can i do about that but in the future you know let's say maybe someone wants to have like kids in the future saying my priorities are probably going to shift a little bit so how can i be mindful of that as I plan how I choose to spend my time and energy. So it's it's an evolution, I think, of, of your purpose and, and what you decide is important at any given moment. Um, so I think one of the biggest things that was a problem for me when I was younger was that I thought there was one purpose for your whole life And I was like, oh, my God, I'm 22. And there's a long way to go. Yeah. (laughs) How am I (laughs) supposed to find something that I can lock myself into for the next 50 years of my life? Mm -hmm. Like, no one can make that decision, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding that people change, understanding that experiences will influence how you see the world, and to be empathetic to that is going to make, I think, a recipe for a much more <laughs> a much less stressful life and a much more fulfilling life. Because you're saying, "Hey, I'm always a work in progress. I'm always figuring out what's next, and I don't know what I don't know. And I'm okay to re sh- I'm okay to shift uh, my priorities based on what life throws at me essentially. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to do that.
0: Yeah. Now designing your why could sound kind of fluffy to some people. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just going to get up and play video game, whatever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So how do you match up your why with that practical part of life where Mm. you still have responsibilities? You may have a family, you still have to pay bills. I mean, you still have certain things that you have to do, right? So how do you match those two up? Yeah, that's a good question because a lot of people
1: are like, oh, life purpose, like what's your passion? A lot Mm -hmm. of people talk
0: about like life purpose equals
1: why equals passion and They're like, well, my passion is kite surfing. I can't, like, make – I can't take care of my kids on kite surfing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which is fair. Um, But how you can make it directly applicable all the time is essentially, okay, kite surfing, as an example, might be a manifestation of a deeper why. Like, you enjoy kite surfing because of something, Maybe it's because you love physical activity, you love health, you love fitness, maybe it's just a great workout and it's super fun at the same time. Maybe it's you being out on the ocean and you just love the ocean and you love, you know, being in a certain area that just has like so much biodiversity and you can go snorkeling and look at all the fish and all that cool stuff too. Maybe it's something where you like challenge and skill and it's something that you're good at, but you can always get better at. So kite surfing itself is not your why. What is, what, is the, what is driving the manifestation of kite surfing is something deeper. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a love of adventure, for example. That's one of my core values. And that is something that you can translate not just into kite surfing, but into how you choose to spend your time, how you choose to spend your money, how you interact with your family members, um, saying, okay, we're not just going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to go camping. Or we're going to go learn something new. And that way you're honoring what's driving that whole kite surfing thing without saying, hey, we're going <laughs> to be a family of professional kite surfers now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so really peeling back, okay, these things that really light you up, that's, and that's one of the five avenues I talk about in the workshop actually, like saying, okay, what, what do you just love doing? What's one of the most fun things in your life? Why is it fun? Why is that important to you? And why is that important to you? Like really digging in and asking a lot of why is kind of like a (laughs) two-year-old. Why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But when you can identify the root of those passions, that's something that you can work with and translate into the, the practical side of life. Okay, so if you are... Um, if you work, how can you bring a sense of adventure to work? How can you bring a sense of skill building to work? Knowing that this is what's most important to me, it's like oh, I have to sit like in a suit at a desk all day. I'm not kite surfing. I can't live my why. Well, you can. You just have to dig deeper and say, okay, I got to get a little creative. Once I find that core root, so um, when you get to that point, honestly, the the possibilities of you walking and talking your why are endless it just takes a lot of creativity is about saying okay this is what i got to work with it's kind of like if you think of a clay ball like a little ball of clay as your why you can make it look a lot of different things but it's still clay at the end of the day um and so but it it takes effort and it takes attention and it takes purposeful dedication to say okay this is this is what I'm doing here because you got to connect the dots for yourself. You need to be conscious of the dots that that you want to be connecting, saying, okay, I can only live my why in my personal life on the weekends. No, you can live it everywhere. It just takes some work. It just takes some effort. So if you're ready to do the work, then it's completely possible for you to start feeling fulfilled at work mm-hmm. or fulfilled in other areas that aren't so great. So yeah, it's doable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little bit of work and some sacrifice probably too. those mm-hmm. questions, you know, what are you willing to give up or change or, yeah. um, you know, refocus yourself mm-hmm. and Hey, let's, I'm sure that there are some kite surfers out there that who are sponsored and who are making a living yeah. doing that, mm-hmm. actually doing that yeah. job, whatever it is. So for sure. Yeah. I was, um, in my
1: last corporate job, uh, I was at an event in Hawaii, I was doing event production, like project, uh, event project management, um, at this surfing competition in Hawaii. And I met a professional surfer and he knows exactly what his values are. He's real big into environmentalism. Of course he's big into surfing, but he, he says surfing is a way for me to connect with nature and nature and environmentalism is like, is his fuel. And, he spear fishes. He doesn't shop at the grocery store. He gathers crops. He just chases waves all over the world in a way that is environmentally responsible. So he doesn't participate in events that are going to be ruining the environment. Um, he cooks all his own food from the earth, essentially. It's just he never uses plastic if it's possible. And like, like that's a man who knows – who not only – yeah he's living the dream of getting sponsored to do what he loves, but also like his personal life, even if he never served, he would still be spearfishing he mm-hmm. would still be like harvesting crops and living that way so it's it's interesting how you know when you when you allow yourself to get creative and you allow yourself your imagination to kind of run wild you're you are your only limit at that point, honestly it might take some work but and and sacrifice, but that sacrifice is it is it for something greater? You have to give up this thing, but is it are you getting something massive in return? So, you know, again it is it is all of that dance.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Will you help me understand what a life coach is? So, what the yeah. difference is between a life coach or a business coach or when I mean, you see this term so much now? Yeah. And um, will you help Give me some clarity? Yes, I would love to.
1: Um, it's a it's a question that I think a lot of people are asking because coaching as an industry, I believe, is the fastest growing industry in the country at this point in the U.S. Um, and part of that is because anyone can call themselves a coach. You do not have to have any kind of training or certification or anything to be officially a coach. Um, so we get a lot of blending with coaches, with consultants, with advisors, with counselors, all calling themselves coaches. So even people who hire coaches um, might have very different experiences from one coach to another coach, depending on what their background is and depending on how they work. Um, Essentially, a coach is supposed to be a neutral third-party facilitator for your development whether it's personal growth, that's more likely to be a life coach. Um, if it's uh, working on your business and taking your business to the next level, that's most likely a business coach. Um, but there's all kinds of coaches out there, personal, um, business, relationships, money. Executive. Executive, mm-hmm. exactly. So depending on what it is you are looking to work on and to enhance, that's the type of coach you should be looking for. Um, So for example, I've had some people reach out to me for relationship coaching. I'm like, I'm not a relationship coach. Happy to chat with you like as friends, but (laughs) that's, that's more me. That would, that would not be a client of mine. For example, Um, there are different types of styles of coaching too. So for example, I'm trained in core energy coaching. So essentially I work with how you see the world Energy being a snapshot of like your your way of interpreting the stimuli around you. So how you see conflict, how you see other people, how you see um, um, change, how you see your work, all that kind of stuff. How you interpret that influences how you show up in the world. So for me, I approach my clients with saying, okay, it makes sense that you make these decisions because you interpret Fear or change or unfamiliarity in this way, that's how it's showing up for other people. their coaching might be a different background, so they'll approach it with a very different um a different tack so for example, one of the coaches who I follow um like a high profile coach, is Brendan Burchard, and he's a high performance coach. um are you familiar with his mm-hmm. work? Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah, so he does some pretty cool stuff. It's very intense and it's very it is about being a high performer. So if you're looking to hire someone who's going to help you with like spiritual growth and development, Brenda Burchard is probably not your guy. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking to say, okay, how can I get a lot done? How can I, you know, be a powerful executive? How can I really kind of amp up my life? He might be a great choice and his work and his books and all that Um, could be great for what you're looking to do. Um, For me, I started out as a self-care coach because I wanted to work with women who constantly put themselves on the back burner and who have challenges with self-worth and self-esteem and self-care was a core component of that. Um, However, I found that I was attracting folks who were kind of like we were talking about earlier, who knew they were unhappy with a lot of stuff in their life and they knew they were too harsh on themselves. They would complain a lot about their lot in life but they were not willing to make changes. A coach cannot work with you if you're not willing to make changes. That's the key component.
0: Well, the key is the only person who can make the change is you. I mean, you can yes. go get all the help in the world and complain all you want, but you have to make that choice. Yeah. You know. I mean, you brought this up earlier and this is you know, we're switching topics again, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you're you're a survivor of domestic violence. And at some point in time you had to decide for yourself, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, no one was gonna save me. <laughs> no, you you had to save yourself. Yeah at the end of the day. It's yeah. And I realize that's an extreme example. But it's so true. If you really want to make that change, if you want to be better, you have to kind of look yourself in the mirror and say, Okay, I'm ready now. Yes. And here's where I can go to get the help.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. And a lot of that is recognizing that you even want change. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, unfortunately, are very comfortable. With settling, comfortable with second rate experiences. Um, and it comes to shape their worldview. Like, oh, everything, Murphy's Law is a great example of that. Oh, anything that can and ha- can will go wrong will go wrong. And it's like, well, you're, you know, you're going to be seeing the worst in life if that's truly what you believe about the world. Um, and you'll be putting yourself subconsciously in these positions. Where bad stuff happens, just because you're not looking out for yourself, you're not trying for something better, um, and that's obviously a broad generalization. But um, you can—it's you can't make the horse drink once you lead it to water. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where you have to be willing to invite support into your life because some people also want to go on this journey of development but they don't want anyone in their life helping them to do it. And that's totally fine. Um, it can be really helpful to have that third party because, uh, again, you get that perspective that you don't see of yourself. Um, but, you know, not everyone is willing to ask for help and not everyone is willing to make the decision and say, okay, I want to do something different. Um, but for those folks who are ready, it's really important to find the
0: right coach for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So like couldn't agree more. Yep.
1: Yeah, cuz I want to I don't know. I don't I don't want to take everyone. There's definitely been some clients who come or potential clients who come to me who I turn away because either they like the idea of personal development and growth and specifically now so I used to be a self-care coach and now I'm an impact coach specifically. Um same coach, same training as a life coach, but I focus my marketing around women who want to improve the world in some way. Um, Because that's me bringing my best self. I'm passionate about changing the world. And I know I do my best work when I'm collaborating and working with women who believe the same thing, that they can change the world and they want to, and it's worth it. Um, So women who come to me and say, you know, I want to do something around, you know, animal rescue or something, but they're not willing to get uncomfortable or they're not willing to do the work. They just kind of like how it sounds. Cause it sounds awesome. You know, I want to do something with animal rescue, but um, you know, you've got to really be committed because it's a, it's a life change and it's not always going to be great. And I'm not always going to be your best friend. <laughs> you know, I'm you hire me to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing the homework, if you're not showing up and you're not putting the effort in that I know you can make, then, you know, it's not going to work. Like you said, I can't, make you
0: change. I can't make you make an impact in the world. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. It's a very important distinction to make. And I always look at it as an investment in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's once you not only realize that you want to make the change, but you're willing to also uh, make an investment by hiring a professional to help you. Yeah. It's, it's going to encourage you even more. Absolutely. It's a really good space to be in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how we how we make our decisions what what we around our resources and that being money that being time that being energy that being attention um reflects what's most important to us so if we're constantly spending our time and money on things that that aren't going to be moving you in the direction that you have decided for yourself that you want to be moving in that's not walking the talk that's out of alignment mm-hmm. and it's interesting because money specifically causes so many issues for a lot of people emotionally, mentally. It just, it's a touchy subject for a lot of people because they don't realize that their money story is um, either supporting them or working against them because they probably haven't asked themselves that question. You know, what, what I think about money and what I think about having money, you know, how is that playing out in what I spend for myself what do i consider an investment versus a splurge versus a necessity and whatnot and like that's that's another kind of fun bundle to deal with as a business owner as maybe you've come across as well like a lot of times People might see the value and they might be like, this is amazing. I want to do it. And then they're they're excited about it. But as soon as money comes into the conversation, sometimes people shut down and they're like, oh. Most of the time, yeah. the conversation ends. It's yeah. so difficult. Yeah. yeah. So finding a way, like that's, that's something that I'm working on in terms of my professional development. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, how can I help um, my potential clients see that... The way that they choose to, um, I guess, part with their money, if we want to call it like for me, I call it investing for you. You call it investing for other people it might be like, oh, this is a splurge. If they don't see the it's like self-worth comes into it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not worth spending all this money on. They might not articulate that because the pattern is running in their brain then the decision is happening that they're not spending money on something that's going to help them get to where they want to go. So as what I'm working on with my mentor right now is saying, okay, how can you identify and help those folks see that this is going to be worth what you're charging them? Because it's not not going to do them any good to be sitting in this place of, in my case, I want to make a difference – and I can't sleep at night because I feel like I'm not contributing in some way. I want to be a change maker, but I don't know what the hell that means. Excuse my language. Um, you know, what kind of dollar price do you put on that to put that to rest so that now you're living a powerful life in the way of making a difference?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know. I just see it as you kind of putting a ceiling on yourself. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to get where you want to go if you're limiting yourself yes, in any way, and that could be with your money, it could be with your time. I mean, what are mm-hmm. your priorities and and where are you spending that time, money, resources, whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, you can make changes. You can sit down and and change your life, even if it's just for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'll, you know, it'll make a big difference. Yeah, honestly. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's one of those things that, that I do believe that everything happens when and how it's supposed to. Um, and for some people, maybe they simply are not ready. Exactly. Maybe they're just not at that point where it is a non-negotiable for them to make changes at this point. Maybe it is kind of a nice to have. I just want to try coaching. That's not <laughs> my ideal client. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you're saying, okay, like whatever it takes, I know this is going to be valuable. And I know even if I just work with her for like three months – I'm going to get something that I can use for the rest of my life, then it would be worth the investment. You know, having that conversation around what is it worth to you to do it now at this point in season in your life? And what will you be willing to put the effort in to get a result as, you know, as a result from investing? That's a decision that you've got to make. But honestly, like one of those. One of those tricky, tricky things called fear comes into play saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make the mo- I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get the most for my money at this point. I don't know if it's going to be a good return on my investment and having those unanswered questions, you know, especially with coaching, true coaches never guarantee a result because you can't, because you have to rely on the client to do the work. I can't change your life. I can offer you tools so that you can change your life. Uh, And I can help facilitate that transformation, but I can't make you do anything like we could be working together for three years. But if you're going to sit there and like, you know, not work with me, then it's not going to happen. And one of the reasons it's important to charge for services, because a lot of people are like, I just want to help people. I don't want to charge anything like I understand where your heart is. But when people my mentor says when people pay, they pay attention, mm-hmm. right? When you put in something, skin in the game, whether it's time, money, whatever, energy, then those clients are going to be the ones doing the work. They're going to be showing up and they're saying, I'm going to get my money's worth and this is going to be worth every cent and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make that result mine. That's, that's great because then both of you are bought in, it's not someone who's like, yeah, well, it was like 25 bucks. So, you know, it's, it's not a big deal if I don't get a return on my investment.
0: Yeah, or it's not a big deal if I don't show up today or do yeah. the work or mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gotten a little glimpse into your life, a little bit of a timeline. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know, um, you went through a very difficult period in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you're at a place where you are feeling different and you're helping mm-hmm. other people. Yes. Describe at a high level like what it really took for you to wake up that one day. I'm imagining you waking up one day and <laughs> going, "You know what? I I've got to change this." Yeah. I've I've reached my limit. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and and the person that you were at that moment because I imagine it was probably a pretty low moment. Yeah, two in your it's life. Very different person. Like yeah, even ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, into what you're doing now to help others and what that transformation looked like. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes I feel like um, I should write a book about that and like have a movie made or something because it's. Uh, I didn't like who I was, and I wasn't proud of who I was. Um, I was taking, I was taking pride in the struggle that I was in, because. I felt like to be respected, you needed to have earned your stripes. So you either had to come up from some like really difficult circumstances that you've been born into, or you have to have, you would have had to have overcome something amazing for people to be like, wow, like she's really about something like check this girl out. Um, And for me, I didn't think I had anything particularly remarkable about myself. And so I think, subconsciously I started looking for a very difficult lifestyle. I started kind of attracting that into my Mm -hmm. life, um, because I didn't, I didn't think much of myself, honestly. Um, and so at that point, I mean I gave half of my twenties to this person and who, who also didn't think much of himself and who didn't know anything about emotional management. And to be honest, I didn't either. Um, And it was one of those like, yeah, this is awful, this sucks, but look, I'm here, like I'm, I'm like in the struggle and I'm surviving. And it was, it was a weird kind of like completely different reality of, of how I could feel good about myself in a really detrimental way, if that makes any sense.
0: Um it's to me it sounds like justification. You know, we hear it yeah. all the time. You can just you can almost justify anything. Yeah. And you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. And
0: yeah.
1: funny enough, and this is probably a completely different conversation for another time, but like music at that time was very much like, oh, the world is against us and it's it's like romantic to have the world against you. It's romantic to be in this like you know to be constantly arguing for some reason like even though we argue i love you so much it's like it's very romanticized and so as a very like impressionable person music was something that was very important to me and i felt like i could identify with those kinds of songs so it was like reinforcing my identity as like what a relationship is supposed to be like it's supposed to be tempestuous it's supposed to be volatile it's supposed to be explosive because that's like real love that's real passion and it's like girl you are <laughs> you're making life way harder than you have to right but when i had that moment of of realization every other line had been crossed you know every line in a relationship that you say okay if this happens then i'll break up with them or i'll leave him then it's like i was justifying everything all the lines have been crossed My line for me, the straw that broke the camel's back, was um, when I was looking around our terrible apartment, which had crickets and um, was drafty. We had a broken window. It was like this basement, just kind of existence. And I was sitting next to him, to his son on our couch. And I knew he was going to be coming home soon. And I knew we were going to argue. I knew we were going to fight. And I just felt so bad for this little boy sitting next to me. I'm like, he has to witness horrible stuff that he's old enough to remember. I think he was six at the time um, when I had this like epiphany and he's going to remember that he's going to grow up with these images and that's not fair to him. And I know I can do better. And I, I just, I hate this. I hate this so much. And I'm living my life on repeat right now. What I'm going to go through today and tonight is going to be the same as what happened yesterday, the same as happened what last week, it's going to be the same as, you know, the past however many months and years. And I realized, I was like, oh my God, I'm living my future. This is it. Nothing will change. (laughs) Nobody here is going to be doing anything different in the next 10 years. And I'm like, if I get 10 years at this point, and that idea of I'm giving my future away, and this is is all I have to look forward to, that was my line. And I was like, oh, what? Wait, it was a giant light bulb moment. (laughs) And at that point, I made a decision. I knew he was going to be out of town in the next couple of weeks or something um, for the weekend for work. So I was like, okay, that trip. That's when I'm out. That's when I'm doing this. And um, there was a very like dramatic escape and all the stuff that, that would be great for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fear of not knowing what's next didn't matter at all in that moment because me having a future that I designed and that was at least better than this was enough for me to say, I don't know what the heck is on the other side, but I'm going to do it. So I'm going to throw my junk in the car. I'm going to drive. I'm going to couch surf for indefinitely with whoever will take me in and I'll figure it out at that point. Like I'll deal, I'll cross that bridge when it comes, when it comes to me. Um, And after that, I was a very angry person. I was very, very angry. I was getting in like verbal altercations all the time. I was really getting frustrated very easily. I felt like I had been wronged. I felt like this person stole half of my twenties and I was like really resentful about it. And I was really also mad that I wasn't able to do anything in that relationship. I wasn't able to go see my friends. I was barely able to see my family. I had my personal property stolen and broken. I had all my money taken. I was like, "This is not fair." I have so much to make up for. And so at that point, I was living like a really self-destructive lifestyle, like partying all the time, drinking all the time, and like showing up to work like hungover all the time, and. I felt completely justified because I was like, "I'm free. I can do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter. I don't have to mm-hmm. answer to anybody." And I was very like, <laughs> "Yeah, very self righteous." But I was uh, at that time I met my husband because we were working together, and he had seen me at my worst—this like really angry, kind of like the pendulum swinging the other way, like having no freedom and and no rights to having all the freedom and doing whatever she wants. And he saw me in that kind of like very dramatic space and he was one of the only people who were like, it's okay. Like, I don't know what's going on in your life, but like whatever you're going through, like, it's okay. We're friends. We can always hang out whenever you want to. And there was something about his, we had very similar core core values underneath all that anger. Um, So while I was kind of off the rails, he was always like the nice guy and I was like, I don't understand what the concept is.
0: I don't know, nice (laughs) guy, from where you had come from. Yeah, complete opposite.
1: Totally. And um, eventually, we decided to leave. This is in the D.C. area. We decided let's just start over in California. We don't like our work. We're done here. I kind of want a new chapter and be away from like this community in general. So we just drove to San Francisco with no plan and no we crashed with our friend for like a couple of days and then we ended up getting an apartment and just kind of figuring it out, getting jobs there. Um, So personally I started a personal development journey, but I didn't realize that I knew therapy. I didn't know anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. I was just trying to hold it together. Like survive. Yeah. (laughs) That was, that was was it at that point. We both got jobs in Silicon Valley and lived the tech lifestyle for a couple years. And then, then the, now that I, my relationship life had gotten on track, my fulfillment of like, wait, what am I doing in life? Like this work is not fulfilling. Like I'm spending so much time doing work to make other people look good or to make the company more money, but like, it's not changing the world in any way. And I, that was really important to me. And at that point, my husband got a job at Zappos. So we moved to Vegas. And I was working remotely and I think me (laughs) hating my job was starting to like rub off on my boss. Um, And so she fired me (laughs) over video chat, which was awesome. And um, at that point I had that knee jerk reaction of like, oh my God, like I don't have a job. I have to go get a job. And I started applying for the same position, like project manager. And my husband was like, hey, time out. I've noticed a pattern. You hate your job. Let's not do that again. <laughs> there you go. That third party, you know, mm-hmm. saying, I notice you do a lot of things you don't like doing. What if you took a pause for a minute and decided what you really want to do? Because otherwise we're just going to be right back at square one of me bussing my butt and not enjoying anything and feeling like, what's the point? Um, and at that point, we were also planning our wedding. And so I kind of threw myself into that and started seeing a coach. And, um, I was like, okay, I, I can actually help people. Essentially it wasn't just, I wanted to help people. That was a way of me feeling like I had value. I have something to offer because of what I've seen in life and coaching for me happened to be the channel that I wanted to express it through. It could have been art. It could have been, um, I don't know. Babysitting could have
0: been anything. Right. Whatever really. you wanted to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of stuff to work out myself because I was so the way I saw the world was very defensive because of like everything that I've been through, and it's very fear based. And so for me to grow, I knew I had to work through some of that. Um, but admitting that I had to work through some of that me meant, initially to me, that I have to take a blow to my pride. Cause I'm like oh, I'm a tough chick. I got mm-hmm. it all worked out and I've been through life. <laughs> I've yeah. like seen some stuff. Um, but it's like, okay, it's not about that. It's not about you. It's not about what you've been through. It's about what you've been through being a tool to having empathy for people who might be in the same position and how can you help them see something better for themselves? Um, and so it was, it was a lot of, me working out my own personal issues as well as getting professional training and in running a business. I had no idea how to do that Um, and getting trained as a coach. And it was all kind of like parallel progress of personal development, professional development. And then I came to this business. So
0: it's been a ride. (laughs) Yeah, but you're here now. I'm here now, Yes. yes. Do you consider yourself to be a leader? I do. I do. Why? Because I... (laughs)
1: because I refuse to settle for things I'm not okay with and because I take action on things that I believe in Um, and I share that. I think that's an important aspect of it. You can do all the things kind of, I could just do things that I believe in in my own world and not talk about them and not share that with other people and connect with other people about that. But to me, a leader shares that Because that could inspire someone else to also live in accordance with their values, to also say, hey, maybe some stuff I've been through could help someone else too. Mm -hmm. It's like that owning, I call it your toolbox, essentially, owning all the skills, experiences, assets you have, those are all tools in your toolbox. It's up to you to use them in a way that aligns with what matters most to you. And when you can do that, you're one living a non-traditional life. (laughs) So you are kind of forging a path. And by being open about it, then you're creating a domino effect. It's like you can be, what's the word, the quote, there are two ways to shine light. You can be the candle or you can be the mirror that reflects the candle. And whether you're going to share something inspirational that someone else did or you're going to be the inspirational person, we need both of those, because that might trigger someone, something in someone else to say, Hey, you know what? I've always wanted to do something, you know, with, with rights of children or something, but I've haven't had an idea of how to do that, or I haven't dared to even think about what that could look like, but she's doing it. She went through it and she's like figuring it out. Maybe there's something there. Mm-hmm. And that person takes initiative to say, okay, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, I think that's what a leader does. They take initiative and they talk about it and share it.
0: Yeah. So are you reading any books right now or listening to any podcasts? Who are you looking up to Yeah, to keep yourself <laughs> motivated and inspired to continue to do this type of work?
1: Yeah. Um Well, I like to think that I have so many mentors, whether they realize it or not, I have- um, (laughs) Those are the best ones. I know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because they're they're actually, like they have so much content out there that you can just grab whatever you need at that moment. So um, podcasts that I'm listening to currently, Marie Forleo. Uh, She has Marie TV, which is a YouTube channel, but she has the audio version as a podcast. And that's really great for me as I'm commuting or just at the gym or something. Um, because she, she talks about building a business that is purpose driven, not just, you know, how can you up your marketing or how can you reach more clients? How can you do sales? Those are all important things, but she comes at it from a very heart driven, heart centered approach, um, and a very creative, uh, multi-talented approach. So she acknowledges that we have so many different talents, like we could be doing so many different businesses. Why did we choose this one? or maybe these two. <laughs> yeah. And how do we, how do we reach people in a way that you're helping them change the world? Not that it's, you know, sales is very important, but the end goal is not to make money. The end goal is to make a difference. Uh, so I really love her approach to that. So Marie Forley was one of my go-to people. Um, in terms of books, personally, I'm, In the midst of Michelle Obama's Becoming, and I'm completely in love with it. Oh, I've been wanting to read read that one, yeah. Do it. It's it's beautiful and moving, and I love the way that she shares her story and her journey. Mm -hmm. Very powerful stuff. Um, And then it's, I think, two brothers – Maybe Matt and Scott McCaskill, uh, but the McCaskill duo—they um, wrote "Doing Good Better" mm-hmm. and is essentially about the concept of effective altruism, um, something that I'm really passionate about. Essentially, it's like the the strategy behind doing good, because you can you know volunteer at the local shelter all day every day, but if you could be doing something slightly different. So that you're helping, let's say it's homelessness more effectively, then how do you how do you do that? What kind of strategy needs to be put in place so that this thing that you care about is actually being helped? And that's something that I take a look at as some of my I did a bunch of videos last year about the spectrum method. I think I'm gonna change the name and, and approach a little bit, but essentially these big societal challenges, homelessness, hunger, abuse rights environmentalism all these things uh they're very complex that's why they're kind of still around right yeah. it's not like a quick fix right um and so how do we detangle the complexities and then get involved in a way that best suits our talents and our what lights us up in our experiences um, because right now we think of doing good in terms of volunteering your time or donating your money. And there's so many different ways that we could be doing things to create positive and effective changes, but we don't, we just haven't been talking about how that's possible. So for example, um, one of the many uh, school shootings last year, you know, it's very easy to all of a sudden the debate goes to gun control versus, you know, my right to protect myself and all of that. We should have guns in schools. Like, you know, the same arguments come out all the time. Um, but really it is obviously such a complex issue in this country and to understand, okay, do you want to be part of the prevention? Do you want to be part of the aftercare? Do you want to be part of, there's so many different inroads to this huge topic. Um, the more that we can detangle that and say, okay, I am best suited for the aftermath. I'm not going to be effective in the prevention. I'm more suited as when this happens, this is how I will participate. And this is how I will make things better. Some people might be way more effective at the prevention saying, I'm going to help identify uh, warnings, warning signs, or be a resource for somebody or whatever, um, or go the legislature route. Um, But understanding what it is that you care about first and how are you going to be most effective and strategic about it? Um, the McCaskill book, "Doing Good Better," is a great book to start thinking strategically mm-hmm. instead of just in the traditional boxes of donating time and
0: money. Yeah. so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. You have to check days. that one out too. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, some good recommendations. Mm-hmm. All right, so advice for anybody who they've reached this point in their life that they're ready. Yes. And you're going to know it. We can't tell you exactly what it is or when yeah. it's going to happen, but you will. you will. You will realize when it's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. What, what's the first thing this person should do? The first thing they should
1: do is probably start saying, what do I actually want? Mm-hmm. Having that conversation with yourself, okay, I'm ready. If you can get clear on what it is, even if it's just a smidge clearer than, than where you are about, what do I actually want? then that will serve as the very kind of baby stepping stone for you to start interviewing support services. So if, if it means, if it means getting a coach, for example, then you can start saying, okay, what kind of coach, who would I really vibe with, um, and start interviewing different coaches. Most coaches do a free discovery call. So you can just jump on the phone and get a feel for what they do and how they work, um, and find someone who's right to help you a good match for you. Um, but yeah, having a clear picture of what it is that you're looking to create. Because a coach is great to get in there and say, okay, let's come up with a strategy that suits who you are and how you see the world and what you're great at and what you love to do. But if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you want to be heading, there, you know, you, you, need, a, you need a destination in order to plan a route there, right? So understanding, okay, where do I want to go? and who might be able to help me with this are two questions that you can that will help you in taking those next steps because when you feel that energy like you said you're gonna know it when you're ready there's like a different energy that comes with that when you can channel that effectively with the help of a coach or with the help of someone who knows what they're doing like the sky is the limit it's like a laser beam
0: (laughs) and it'll become clear to you too Yes. I mean, I realize what you're saying now might not make sense to some people, but when you're in that moment <laughs> and you know you're done, yeah. all of a sudden things become very clear to you. And yeah. And you, you trust yourself a little bit too. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's you'll recognize signs like, like I'm done with this. You'll start saying things to yourself like, I've had enough of this. I'm done with this. I'm so over this. I, want, I don't want this anymore. You don't necessarily... Have to know exactly, you know, I want this specifically. But when you're saying, I don't want this, and I know I don't want this anymore, that is a huge clue when it's like,
0: okay, it's time to make some moves, girl. Like, right. let's get down into this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah yeah Mm -hmm. listen thanks so much for coming in today on your birthday yeah
1: my pleasure thank you so much for inviting me i i'm a fan of your work and i'm honored to be here honestly thanks robin (laughs) thanks
0: if you're not following robin eckersley on social media yet i invite you to find her now we'll place links to her channels in the show notes or head on over to robin.coach to learn about her story and the services she provides as a life coach I'm also beyond excited to announce that Robin will be joining us as a workshop leader as we travel to Africa for Spark Women's Retreat in June of 2020. For more information about this life-changing experience, visit sparkwomensretreat.com. And hey, before you head out today, if you haven't done so yet, one small action that makes a huge difference for our show is to leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. This helps people find us. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Thanks as always for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.